shadows we're about to watch could be our journey. What's up, guys? It's Captain Cook. Welcome back to Spicy Memories, the podcast where we talk about food and life and stuff. I am joined by a very, very special guest once again for episode, I want to say, 18, uh, even though I wrote 17 in the Zoom link, because as always, I just don't know what fucking episode I'm recording ever. Um, So I've stopped trying to lie to you guys that I know. Uh, I am joined by Miss Kat Dempsey. Uh, I have known Kat for many, 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 many years, uh, right? Long, like teenage years. Um, she and I went to school together. She is uh, the editor of Denzel Records Music. She is a writer all around music and punk enthusiast. She is a certified badass. She has been to shows that I've been playing. And this fucking, I'm telling you, Kat, uh, she is, she's, she's the person that you want in the front. Believe me. It's just like, it's, it's been so fucking fun. So... Uh, welcome. And now uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on too, you've launched a brand new dental records, punk radio podcast, which is like fucking amazing. And it's out on Spotify right now. Um, so Kat, welcome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This is like so awesome. That like, Thank you so much for having me. The, the power of a very shitty 12 months for everybody is you're able to like, how can I, how can I start connecting with people far away? Like, how do I, you know, that's the heart of it i think seriously this is like i've literally been talking to people that i never thought i would be talking to like at all like you know like lucas our friend who is another podcaster here he just moved to one of the boroughs and i moved to northern westchester we literally went opposite ways right and and, you know he's probably an hour and a half drive from me and we're just like yeah let's hop on and we just recorded like episodes for like potify and my show but anyway, so give people a little bit of a background, a little bit of an intro, uh, talk about dental records, whatever you want, just uh, you know, let people know who you are. Sure. So uh, people call me Kat Dempsey, and uh, I started Dental Records Music News in about, oh, geez, it must have been 2017. So we've been going on for about four years now. Uh, we have a whole website that we update periodically. It's pretty much just me. This is a whole one-woman show going on. <laughs> Um, we also do a print edition zine, maybe once a year, maybe twice a year if we're feeling really productive and a recently launched podcast. So it's always busy, always something to do. You gotta, you gotta keep yourself moving, you know? Yeah. You gotta keep it going, man. Gotta (laughs) keep moving. And you, uh, what's it called? So, but you have, you have contributing writers for dental records, right? Like you have like people that will like occasionally like, write, Or did that kind of like, did you used to, and now it's kind of like mainly... It's a rotating door in a way, uh, just because, you know, people have lives, things happen, especially after this year, it's easy to understand why people don't have the time to write or they don't have the energy to write. Um, But in the past, we always did a lot of uh, guest submissions. So we had a series called um, uh, DRM Unplugged, where uh, we would have some musician, whether it was a singer, a guitarist, anybody in a band, even just a solo artist, talk about the trials and tribulations of being a musician and dealing with mental illness. Uh, Mostly having to do with being a musician, though, in the way of performing on a stage and the anxiety that comes with that and uh, being a creative person and not knowing whether your art is good enough or not, self-doubt, things of that nature. 
Yeah, that's, a, that's a very common theme with people that with any kind of creative person not just i mean writers especially i mean writers i think absolutely I would, I would say writers and musicians it's not exclusive to them but it certainly is like a very huge like overtone with anybody that's creative in that way i mean i i did i used to write a lot i mean i, I went to film school i used to write scripts and short stories and as you know i was a musician and it's like that's always how it is it's just like you're it's a constant like self-battle <laughs> It's like- absolutely it's so common and i think with any creative endeavor there's always the thought in the back of your head like what if i'm not good at this yeah, exactly. but you're not gonna know whether you're good at it or not until you go ahead and give it a shot right exactly i think a lot of a lot of times you're more consumed with like what other people are gonna think yeah you know? and that's like a and that should not really factor in because exactly. like it's it's the same thing as like I don't know if you, if you like anything at all, whether you're creating content for anything or whether you're just doing something creatively and putting it out there, whether you're writing music or writing novels or whatever, you know, if you're writing about something that you actually give a shit about and that you love, like that does come through and people will be able to tell if somebody has no heart or life in whatever they're putting themselves into, it's going to seem like kind of flat. It's going to seem stagnant, you know, Mm -hmm. which is why it's very clear that you are in so in love with punk that like you, uh, you know, you are happy to have it consume so much of your life, you know, and, oh, mu- and music in general, me. <laughs> like, you know, but music in general, which, so, all right. So backing up a little bit from that, when did you actually start like, like writing, writing and like when, like, not only did you, when did you start writing, but then when did you like, okay, but now I want to write about something that like, I want to write about, like, I'm not just going to do like short story exercises or whatever. Like I want to like, I want to write about something that like, I want to write about. Right. Um, I would, I would argue, it's funny, it really started when I was in middle school, which is kind of strange. Um, I didn't start writing professionally, obviously, until, uh, oh geez, it must have been 2011 when I graduated high school, but it really started in middle school when I would like, I remember writing an essay for uh, Mr. Beministi, <laughs> and it had something to do with communism versus something else and you know uh i named it planes mistaken for stars which is the name of a band and he circled the title when he got it and he put a question mark there and then he i guess he finished reading it and he wrote at the top amazing title i would just like (laughs) tie little music references into everything that i did because it made it more fun yeah and um kept you more involved in the for sure it made it more interesting to to riff off of something that i was already really familiar with rather than just write something super boring that i didn't fully understand right (laughs) which (laughs) nobody nobody at all wants to do no (laughs) and i think also but it seems that you do it in a way too that's like yours it's like your style you know and you do it in a way that's unrestricted to you, which is good. You know, I mean, that's what I've noticed, especially like even when, not even when you're just writing, even when you're just like talking about it, like you circle around the topic yourself in a way that like, it's clearly like you have like the reins over it, you know, like it's in your domain, which is how it should be. You know, I mean, when you're stuck writing in something that you necessarily don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, you may feel like you're kind of contributing to something that you don't really, you're not into, you know what I mean? Like I, even if yeah. it's something that you mildly like, but if it's like in a structure, that's like not yours. Like I went to film school and I love film, but like my thesis was a 60 page research paper on psychoanalysis incorporated into cinema. Sounds really cool because that is dope. But you know what, when you have to write a structured 60 page in-depth research paper comparing like Sigmund <laughs> Freud and Jacques Lacan to like Alejandro Inaratu and like The Revenant, like, <laughs> like, 
it's 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 interesting because afterwards you're just like all right so basically there's no meaning to life but like aside from that um, aside from like you just getting into nihilism right um, it's like you're you're writing within this structure that's not like yours and it seems like you mm-hmm. especially like by creating and being like the editor would i mean you launched it yourself dental records and yeah. you know being in charge of that is it seems like you you're like all right i want to put this out but i want to put it out in like the structure in the way that like i want to which yeah. I think a lot of people like don't do. I think a lot of people may have great writing skills and they just don't have that kind of initiative to be like, you know, like, well, I want to create something that's like within my space, you know? Big time. Yeah, that too. And uh, before I started D- Dental Records, I had been freelance writing for a small handful of punk magazines. And um, I think over the years of me writing freelance and working under people, I started to realize that uh, there were there's such a saturation and almost an oversaturation of bands that exist these days, and so many of them were being swept under the rug or just not paid attention to. And I I saw something special in a lot of the bands that the magazines didn't want to cover, right. and I would pitch editors, hey, you know, there's this guy Will Wood. And he has a band called the Tapeworms and they're fantastic. I think we should cover them. And they'd be like, eh, it's a little too weird. So bring me your weird bands. Right, yeah. <laughs> but, I, mean, I will you, cover it's, you. <laughs> it's so frustrating too, because like, if you're like a music lover, like you and me, and especially within like a punk scene or like a rock scene, reggae, ska, stuff like that, you see some of these amateur bands that are just so fucking good. Yeah. And like, I mean, you see a lot of garbage bands too, but that's with any, oh, of course. but like, like a lot of <laughs> shitty bands. Like I've like, we've played shows with some shitty bands, like, <laughs> um, but you also find so many good bands. Like the, like, um, fucking what's the name of uh, the cleave agents, right? You know, oh, yeah. the cleave agents, like, you know, they're all like older now and some of them got families and like, they just, they played, we opened for them when I was playing with the mags, mm-hmm. uh, the mad ass ghetto shit. I played with them briefly in like 2010 or 11. And we opened for their reunion show at the Scarsdale Teen Center, which you may or may not have been to. I'm not sure if you were there or not. Um, I don't think I was. I feel like I would have remembered that. Yeah, that's so iconic. It was, it was insane. <laughs> and so I opened up and I'm like playing, you know, Kevin's Gibson, Les Paul. And I'm just like, I shouldn't be here. You know, I'm like, I'm like, you know, <laughs> and then the Cleave Agents came out and Harris, the lead singer, busts open the back door and comes down to stage in a fucking nightgown, sunglasses and a gladiator helmet. And then they just go right into like one of their songs and listening wow. to them even that night as a reunion show when they hadn't played together in years, these guys are fucking amazing. Like they have great melodies. The guitarist was insane. The bassist is so quick. The drummer, Doug, I think his name was amazing. Mm-hmm. Harris has great vocals. They're loud. They're fast. They're in your fucking face, but they're also like a good time. And there were so many of those bands that like nobody knew about. Yeah. And- and like the Cleave Agents were like mildly like locally kind of famous, but like within like our kind of like group there, you know, the people that actually cared about the local music scene. Right. But like, you know, these guys, they could have kept playing. They could have gotten on a label, you know, like, I don't know. Cause then there's just so many bands that, you know, got bigger that just were like, why? <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, you just question it, which. You do something- question it, but um, coming from, someone who has also worked in the publicity side mm. of the music industry too. I, I interned at so many different firms throughout the years and, and thought it was something that I wanted to do. Turned out I didn't want to do it. But when 
it comes to some bands that get signed versus ones that don't get signed, sometimes it all has to do with analytics, which yeah. is sad. Uh, having the right social media presence. Well, now especially. I mean, now. Now it's all about TikTok. Right. I, mean, I know. Yeah, exactly. You've got industry plans all over TikTok. I mean, it's just, you know, it's I mean, crazy. Look at, look at fucking, look at Post Malone. The only yeah. reason he's as famous as he is now, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. I, I don't care what people say. I like Post Malone. I think I'm not, I think he's in the Nicolas Cage category where <laughs> he's like, he's, I, th- I think he's like in the Nicolas Cage category where like he's, he's either like brilliant or he's just like the worst. And like, yeah. no, nobody knows, like nobody <laughs> knows the difference. Like if you watch all of Nicolas Cage's movies, you're just mm-hmm. going to have an aneurysm. You're just going to die that night. That's what's going to happen. And yeah. If you listen to some of Post Malone's music and then you like watch him like actually play guitar and like you look at like all of his like Nirvana covers and you're just like what the fuck like he did that whole Nirvana benefit show in the fucking dress and played yeah. like the the fundraising show for COVID remember and he I did saw that. all Nirvana sh- and I'm like hey he's not Kurt Cobain but he's he was fucking good I was like you know he was he did pretty well that night he had the balls to go for it too seriously that half the time that's what that's really what it is and Mm -hmm. but him right that's a good example because he literally blew up overnight on fucking soundcloud yeah like that didn't happen when you and i were like 14 you know when when i were kids it was like you know it wasn't like that i mean it it it, social media it did like with myspace and everything have a gradual kind of build yeah but it was a lot quicker than people think it kind of seemed like you know come about 2000 12 13 mm-hmm. it was like people getting famous from like soundcloud and stuff that would not have gotten famous like 12 months before soundcloud and- is such a powerhouse for a lot of bands too um but even thinking back to to, to myspace and how people like jeffree star i know I mean, i've seen jeffree star live too like- i have too and it was uh <laughs> it was a journey. <laughs> it was insane. He was. I saw him at Bamboozle. I don't know if that's where you saw him. Or I well. did too. Yeah. <laughs> so we were at the same Bamboozle. Party. We were. Um. Yeah. I uh, I saw him at Bamboozle, and I didn't really know. Like I was with my friend Sami and a bunch uh-huh. of people. Dylan, Sami, and Sami liked Jeffrey Star. That's why he dragged us there. And Jeffrey came out, and my first instinct was like, mm, "What the fuck." Like I didn't like I didn't know what I was looking like, and it, and I don't even mean that in like an insulting way. It just no, really, no. His just his aesthetics completely threw me off. You yeah. know, he had this like deep, almost like kind of like raspy voice when he was singing, like, singing weird songs. But he had like a giant like pink mohawk, and he was in like platforms. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like I was like I like I can handle like the New York Dolls, you know what I mean, like that kind of right. shit. But like, but he was like another creature coming out. I was like, what is this? And it was it was kind of cool. But yeah, I that that was that was I don't know. I don't know. I was like, I still forget sometimes. <laughs> he used to play shows. Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, oh, that was a time. That was, that was a, a fucking time. time, man. Fucking bamboozle. <laughs> you remember bamboozle? Of course oh, I do. How many, how many bamboozles did you go to? I went to three starting in, oh my God. I think it was 2006 was when I started going. So basically, I think you and I may have been at the exact same three. I went to 2007, eight, and nine, actually. All right, so- okay. And yeah, because I remember I saw some, and you, it's it, things like that, like warp tour sometimes, but like that kind of place, like Bamboozle, was weird because you would get the strangest mix of music mm-hmm. that you've like ever heard in your entire life. Like you would get, you know, uh, Newfound Glory, right? But yeah. then you would get like a bunch of like punk bands, you would get like Norwegian death metal bands, and then you would get Jeffree Star and then mm-hmm. MC Hammer. 
And then this punk band that I actually grew to like a lot called Whole Wheat Bread, which uh, were these like, just like they came out, they were like these three black dudes and they were just in basic like white, like, you know, guinea teas. And they just didn't, they were just kind of calm when they came on stage. And then they started blasting these great fucking punk songs and like a few like rockabilly style songs and shit. And I was like, never heard of these guys. And I still have them on my Spotify and they stopped making music. Like they don't make music anymore. Uh But I never would have, you know, you discovered people and bands that you never would have, you know, known otherwise, you know, which was awesome. And I feel like, I don't want to say that happens less, but it definitely started happening a lot less once I think social media kind of was like, all right, well, we're kind of going to navigate who's really going to get traction and who's not, because that's, you know, kind of what it comes down to No. I mean, I I know. I mean, you would know better than me. I mean, that's, you know. No, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I remember too, one of my favorite memories from going to Bamboozle was 2007, I want to say, or maybe it was 2008. It was while Sonny Moore was in between playing with From First to Last and becoming Skrillex. Got you. Okay. And he had put out one EP under the name Sonny. And I got to meet him no. at Bamboozle. Really? He was just chilling out, like walking around. He was at some tent. And then he had like maybe a small handful of kids around him just looking to say hi and stuff. Right. And he signed my Converse shoe. Oh my and God. I still have it. That's fucking awesome. That is so cool. <laughs> Who knew that he would become like one of the biggest electronic music artists ever. Because when, when he started getting more popular... Somebody was like, oh, yeah, that's the dude from, from first to last. I was, mm-hmm. like, I was like, what? And then I was like, no. And they were like, yeah. I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, I was just like, I thought people were like messing with me. I'm like, no, no, it's not. That's not, it, it's just, it, you know, I don't know. It's just that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I understand people weaving in and out of music genres, but it's like, I think that was the kind of music too that kind of helped, like you said, mm-hmm. that really helped with like MySpace and SoundCloud get that stuff out there because oh, yeah. people who were really into that stuff and like dubstep and like they, they would seek that stuff out on those platforms. Mm-hmm. And so I think there were more people that just went to those platforms, which kind of oh, yeah. gave, you know, which then all of a sudden validated the platforms more, you know, and then, you know, gave it an opportunity for, you know, Post Malone. So, exactly. you know, but I don't know. It's just so, oh man, I don't even know. Fucking, God, I'm just, I'm now I'm just having flashbacks of fucking Jeffree Star. All right. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, like, just going to be seeing that fucking, I'm going to have that giant mohawk on my head for the rest of the night. Um, <laughs> God damn it. Um, all right. So you were in the local kind of Westchester, the New York city punk scene for like a while. And, mm-hmm. but you also lived in Philly for a stint. Yeah. No. So I want to talk about Philly food, definitely. But first, just breeze over like what you noticed with like bands and punk bands in New York versus like Philly. Because I know that Philly does have like a decent music scene and there are like a good amount of like punk bands that come from Philly. But I don't know. I wanted to see what your actual experience with it was like living there. Like if you didn't experience that at all, you know. Um, New York compared to Philadelphia. So boring. Yeah. I mean, so boring. You mean like New York? New York is boring. boring compared to Philly. Oh, yeah. Really? The Philly punk rock music scene, whether you're talking about street punk, uh, garage rock, skate punk, whether you want to talk about D-beat, whether you want to talk about black metal, whether you want to... I mean, name the punk subgenre. It exists in Philadelphia. 
uh, huge emo scene, which is fantastic. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Huge punk rock scene in general. All the bands I have to say in Philadelphia, for the most part, are incredibly talented people who write genuinely and authentically great songs. Um, in my experience with New York in particular, I found that maybe it has to do with the geography too of both cities. Philadelphia is really just a, a third of the size of New York, basically. Yeah, it's not that big, yeah. Not big at all. Right. Um, you have such distinct neighborhoods. You have very distinct bands. Whereas you go to New York, it's huge. Everything's a lot more spread out in a way. Yeah. And the bands themselves, I just could never really get down with. Were the bands in Philly, was the punk scene a little more like accessible in Philly? Is that what you're kind of saying? Like, was it, was it more easily attainable? Like, was it easier to go to like, you know, a club or a, a venue one night and just see like a really good lineup of bands compared to like what you'd have to go through in New York to even see like a halfway decent show? Right. Uh, when I was in college in Philadelphia, one of the first punk shows that I went to, I don't remember if it was Leftover Crack <laughs> in Philly or if it was The Misfits. Oh, uh, the but Misfits. either way, I had started going to, you know, these like, quote unquote, bigger punk shows. And you end up meeting people there who end up being the people who put out flyers without an address for the show and they just say ask a punk that's amazing um so you end up kind of meeting people making connections trying to figure out where all of the smaller more underground shows are going on that's and so it's funny first of all that's insane that you saw the misfits i'm assuming based on the years that you lived there you saw them when jerry only was pretty much the only one singing right they didn't even have a guest singer okay Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I met him at uh, Comic-Con, actually. I met him and uh, I think I met Doyle as well. I think he might have been there. It was like a signing. They were just like, oh, let's sign it, whatever. Um, That's pretty rad. Yeah, but it was before Danzig decided to pop his, uh, his short self back in. So I want to touch on the Misfits because sure. they, are, they are possibly one of the biggest influences, if not arguably maybe the biggest influence on a lot of punk bands that have started. And Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah so i don't know see here, here's my thing with the misfits i i love the early stuff obviously like when they were mm-hmm. young and when they first started writing music and the ecstatic age one of the best <laughs> fucking albums ever like even like you know the, their second album you know fucking great and yeah. you know once danzig started his own thing even danzig's early solo stuff like mother obviously is great music you know whatever but um i don't know it's like even when that uh, that horrible fucking uh, Proud Boy, what's his name, Michael Graves, uh, became their singer in like the 90s. Yeah. Fucking Jesus. Um, <laughs> little did we know that guy was a white supremacist. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was like openly an asshole for years, but like I didn't know he was like actually a Proud Boy until like the last few years. And then he finally right. at shows was just like, oh, like started like literally doing that. And I was just like, woof. I was like, all right. Um, but Embarrassing. Uh, yeah, it's just, but he had a very different, like that album Oh God, Monsters something, right? I don't know. That, that album Famous, that Sat- Monsters. Famous Monsters. Yeah, the one that Saturday Night is on. Saturday Night is like a decent song and like they have, they had some songs that were like, okay, but it was a very different kind of tone. Like that's not the misfits that people, like punk bands, I think really grew up on like an influence on. Now, right. going along with the theme of like maybe bands that don't deserve enough credit that they do. And I don't want to piss anybody off. I'm just posing a question here. Yeah. Not to be all hipster about it, but- um, 
I don't know. I mean, do you really think that the Misfits deserve as much, I don't want to say praise, but like maybe as idolization, like as they do, you know, where people are like so entirely self-consumed, maybe even with the whole discography or not, like, mm-hmm. you know, do you think that there are better sources of like early punk bands, you know, like, I don't know, the Good Rats, like people don't even know, half the people don't even know who the Good Rats are. The Good right? Rats were so rad. Like, and nobody <laughs> even knows. Way more credit. <laughs> I wouldn't even have known about the Good Rats if my boss at the jewelry store wasn't like, you know, there's this band that got blacklisted that you should really listen to, right? I'm like, what? You know, yep. but like, do you think that the Misfits got like way too much kind of amplification and if so like why like why like why did that I'm, I'm i've been marveled for years as to how they got that fucking idolized like for so sure quickly. um they, the best way i can answer that sort of question is by quoting a lyric by a band called dollar signs okay and the name of the song is punk on the weekend <laughs> and the first line of the song says the misfits are my favorite brand uh, okay. and I mean, there's no better way to sum it up than that, in my opinion. Just yeah, that crimson it's become me, a yeah. fashion brand. It's become such an iconic, and I say that lightly, such an iconic logo. Yes. You can buy anything you want with a Misfits logo on it. Anything. They're basically the punk rock kiss. Yeah. And hey, you know, I can respect them getting that shmoney. Yeah. But at the same time, were there better bands that came out yeah. around that time or before the Misfits? Of course, you could make that argument. Right, exactly. Um, but just, more I, specifically in New Jersey, of course. Uh, yeah, because they were from Lodi, New Jersey, I think, right? They were. Yeah. It's just, and yeah, you're right. That Crimson Ghost is like, has become such a fucking like symbol. It's like weird. Like, and I don't know. I mean, I always saw that when I was growing up and I was starting to get into punk a lot. Like my brother introduced me to a lot of different kinds of music my parents are hippies my brother was in punk bands so like he's the one that kind of broke me into it so when i was like nine he was like shoving like mxpx and no effects in my face you know like he was like and like phoenix tx like these bands that were like you know <laughs> like and i was just like i was like nine i'm like woo, you know and so when i started getting into punk i hadn't really broken into the misfits yet mm-hmm. i was more like i think my first like <laughs> i'll say my first skull was um, I bought Rancid 2000 when I was in fourth grade on CD. Okay. Uh, and I brought it like in my CD player. And yeah. then I just, I, just, I would just listen to that album cover to cover, like in school with my headphones. And that was the first thing where I was, I like remembered, like I remember seeing like the Rancid name mm-hmm. and like, oh, I know this. This is like fucking great, you know? Yeah. And I seeing that crimson ghost sprinkled all over the place but i remember it being in a way like intimidating like to me it was like the kids in school especially who thought they were like you know like punks with three x's you know like real punks yeah like those kids (laughs) were the ones with like you know the crimson ghost patch you know like and i was just like oh i can't touch that yet i'm not there you know i'm just i'm just a little skater i can't do that you know (laughs) so it was like it was always that kind of weird idolization with the misfits and I don't want to misconstrue anything. Like I, I, I listen to the Misfits. I love them. Like especially their early music. I love them. I have the first two yeah. albums on vinyl. Like I, I think that they did put out in the beginning, especially great music. It just blows my mind sometimes, and I don't know if it's good or bad that they became so idolized. And I don't know. Also, Glenn Danzig's a fucking dick. I don't care what anybody says. Danzig. Don't he, even get me started. He's Danzig the absolute worst. It's <laughs> such a fucking prick. Like for so many, like the whole argument 
that uh, who knows what the real argument was, but the main thing that really split them up was like Jerry only was like trying to say to Danzig, like Dick, like we're not the devil, like we're trying to make like good music, whatever. Like, you know, why can't you just go along with that? And Danzig had his like candles and his hair combed over, and he was like, no, and, and would like flex his, <laughs> he would flex his tiny little arms, <laughs> standing, standing at all the five foot two, like, no, I need to work out because I'm very short. Yeah, like, <laughs> like he's literally for something, he's literally five two, he is yeah. tiny, like. Yeah. I'm not that tall. I'm like five nine, but knowing that I would tower over him, yeah, so, so satisfying. <laughs> so satisfying. And I love Danzig's voice, especially when he was young, because when he was young, he didn't have that like ominous, dark overtone that like Mother and like Danzig and like you know, um, the fuck was his other band? Um, Jesus Christ. Um, oh my God, Samus. No, uh, uh, Sam Hain. Sam Hain. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. So like he didn't have this like dark overtone of his voice where it was like you know with the misfits he would like it was this like growl that like came from his stomach you know and yeah. it was like it was loud and it was like in your face and it was fast and it was really fucking fast mm-hmm. and that's why i think you they people absolutely should respect the first couple albums you know obviously you know, static sure. age is one of the best debut albums like studio albums like ever that shit is fucking great hands but, down but then like you said i never thought about it like that like misfits are my favorite brand like that's such a good encapsulation of like the misfits i just because there's all these bands where it's like there's so much else going on like like the dead kennedys right yeah are like idolized but you know you know it's like jello biafra's fucking time with them was so like short compared to like his entire career and like he put out a lot of good music on his own like he collaborated with so many different types of genres he did like rockabilly you know like he's got this song fucking like uh are you are you drinking with me jesus you know that song yes that is such a good fucking song and when you listen to (laughs) it's literally him in a bar and jesus is there and he's like shit face trying to get jesus to like buy him drinks it's the funniest thing in the entire world and he had a great career but like those short years of the dead kennedys people like idolize so much and yeah. like even now they perform i don't know who the lead singer is now you know but it's like you know like uh even black flag has got mike valelli which right i'll you know that's that that's not that bad we'll touch on that if you want in a we will bit. <laughs> um which because even mike valelli and the rats right like that was not right. horrible that wasn't a horrible project he's it's a very specific kind of punk and he's a very specific kind of singer and if you're into that that's fine you yeah. know like if you were playing Thug 2 and you heard Never Give Up for the first time and you were just like, whoa. And then you're like skating with Villelli and you're just like, oh, fuck, this yep. is him. Like, you're just like, you know, it was great. That and was the video game that got me into punk rock, I think, too. Oh, thank God you said that. Thug okay. Two. Thank fucking God you said that. So Thug yeah. 2 soundtrack, right? Thug 2 soundtrack. Or can we agree, like of video games, punk video games, right? Or like sure. skate games, hands down, best soundtrack Best soundtrack of all of time. Of all time. Of all time. Like of all the, time. Like you had the casualties on there. Like you mm-hmm. had Sinatra on there thrown in for some fucking leg. Like, oh yeah. Amazing. Johnny and there's Cash. This Johnny Cash. There was this one band that I have on Spotify mm-hmm. and I can't find anything else about them because I think they were like a Norwegian band and they just stopped making albums after that one. Uh, Comoros, they have that song Cheesecake. Yeah. Boom, boom. But I have them on yep. Spotify. That whole album, by the way, if you get that album, Mm-hmm. it's all like that it's fucking badass it's amazing oh, and you can't find anything else by them at all <laughs> and it's so frustrating but thug 2 i mean i don't know i i don't know at the first i i had that on ps2 and i was playing it and i was like this is the best fucking soundtrack like i would play that game on free skate like in that factory and yep. just listen to the music like that was yep. why i would play on free skate 
And it's funny, there are actually uh, Spotify playlists where people have composed I've seen all um, of those songs into a playlist. You could just hang out and God. listen to them to soundtrack. We, we both use Anchor, but this is not sponsored by Spotify. But Spotify, no. thank <laughs> fucking God you exist. Seriously, like, oh my God. And I mean, if you want to throw me some money, you know, the music intro that I'm going to use is my band. So, you know, I can't, you can't sue me. Can't sue me. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's the fact that people started making like playlists like that were just, it was, I, when I first saw that, I was like, it was like my eyes lit up. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like in my childhood. Like, I just like, I saw the everything in front of me. Selection on that whole game too is really oh, incredible. So really, really incredible. So, and so, all right. So now let's break into this. Sorry, I'm like jumping all over the place. I just, I don't yeah. ever get to talk about people who like love punk. Like I love punk, you know? Cause like <laughs> I was, as you know, I was in like ska and like reggae bands and I play a lot of acoustic stuff now cause I'm you yeah. know old and fat. But um, I really like, love punk and I grew up on punk and I loved playing punk and I would go to punk shows as you know and you know we went together which uh I don't know all right so Black Flag right Henry Rollins is one of those people who I think he he I don't want to say he did it right but he realized I think early on that he could maybe do a lot more than just kind of like write songs to Black Flag and he's had a fucking incredible kind of journey Henry Rollins like He's had quite the career thus far, and yeah. you know, he shows no signs of stopping, really. No, and he's, he's a fucking badass. He's, he is smart, and he's articulate, and he's not afraid to mm-hmm. talk about whatever he wants, and he's mm-hmm. been like that for years. Even now, he just turned like 60-something, right? Like, he's still fucking like that. Is he really that old? I, I yeah. didn't even consider yeah. that. Like, wow. literally. Because, I mean, then again, he looks so great. He really brought the whole idea of, like, fitness and training yes. into the punk right world i mean people didn't really give a shit about that no before henry Rollins started doing it no and that's why and yeah because even like shows when he was still with black flag and you watch live videos he was like ripped and he was oh, doing the God. shows in like nothing but like his boxers and you're just like yikes man all right like, you know, <laughs> i was like i was like all right but that was never like there i mean now there's like yeah. things like these like these like metalcore punk vegans like doyle you know and like his girlfriend yeah. from uh whatever the fuck that band is Alyssa white glues whatever the fuck. what's her name fucking the name i can't her. recall but yeah like doyle from misfits is like that now he's like yeah. oh vegans are and he, like all of his veins are just coming out of his body but like <laughs> like you said that wasn't like a thing you know that no. wasn't like even present in the punk world in fact it probably would have been frowned upon back in the day oh but, yeah and everybody was like so scrawny and right. just like you know that was punk rock <laughs> that was it i mean you it was it was for i don't want to sound sufficient but it was for the misfits it was like it was for people that just you know were kind of like weird and oddballs and like weird little stick figures in society, I think. Definitely. But so Mike Vallelli as the lead singer of Black Flag, how do we feel about that? I'm for it. And the only reason why is because I had so liked what he had done with Mike B and the Rats. As did I. That I was like, you know what? Let this, let him have his time to shine here. Because I feel like Mike B and the Rats never really got the recognition that they Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. And and you're right. I mean, once I got that playlist on Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. And I started and I listened to all the whole album from Mike V and the Rats. I was like, this is a great fucking album. And it's like, and he's, he's got that very specific style. And I think that style really works for Black Flag. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it could be applicable to every kind of punk music. Probably not. No. But for that specific music, it really, really works. Like when you first hear him perform like Rise Above with them, you're like, okay, yeah. Definitely. Or like even like Nervous Breakdown. When I heard him do Nervous Breakdown for the first time, which Nervous Breakdown might be my favorite 
Black Flag song. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I was just like, I was like, yeah, this just works. It's, it's amazing. And it's weird because it's like Mike Vallelli. Like I literally, he's somebody from like our childhood, which is like weird. Like, he was on Diva La Bam. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Prussian like, farmhouses and stuff. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Ay, ay, ay. All right. So um, you are a big fan of Green Day from oh, yeah. what I understand. Okay. So well, pick the era and I will tell you. That's, that's what I want to get. That's, Green Day. <laughs> that, that's what I'd like to get into. I'm glad you brought that up, Catherine. Yeah. Um, so all right. Early Green Day when they were what? Green children? No, sweet children. Sweet, sweet children. children they were. Okay. Um, and then, you know, their beginning albums and, you know, 1039 hours or thousand hours and then 1039 smooth out sloppy hours. Not like mm-hmm. I know the actual name, whatever. Um, and you know, that was, that was, a, that was an interesting time for them. And like, welcome to paradise. Like the, um, God, what's the album before Dookie? Um, oh my God. I guess it was Kerplunk. Kerplunk. Thank you. So mm-hmm. Kerplunk had a version of welcome to paradise on it. If you remember, which is a lot more raw and like, it's a lot more like, you know, and you're like, Oh, wow. So all those years, like, what did, what do you really categorize green day as? I mean, and I'm not talking like their later, you know, emo slash rock opera, starting with American Idiot going forward, just right. to, you know, I think, no offense, but worse and worse music, um, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much from American Idiot on. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like how, like, I need, I need the help of somebody who writes about music as much as you, like, what do you, where would you even throw them in a category if they had one? Because, you know, I'm not saying they're like punk heroes and I don't know if they're pop punk or not, but like, I don't know. I just, they, they're another one that just kind of throw me for a loop. I don't really know where to place them. Like, sure, yeah. I think they're the ultimate outliers in that respect. And they always were. I mean, even back when they were still playing at Gilman's, uh, you know, in California, they never quite fit in to the punk scene from the very beginning. Uh, you had bands like Operation Ivy playing there that right. had a very definitive sound to themselves uh and green day that's just one example but green day always kind of struck out in terms of being a little bit off center um as far as like being down that like right like be but being down that like punk quote-unquote line and like being in that realm they were kind of like you said they were like oh they were not like because op ivy that's more like you know the real like punk ska they were like in the scene like they they had the look they had the sound they had like everything and exactly. I feel like maybe Green Day was just like a little bit too melodic, you know, but they were a little bit like too, too hard to be considered like pop straight, but yeah. you know what I mean? So it was like, they're, they're in this very weird realm and they were very sweet sounding songs. I mean, yeah. you listen to that first record and you're like, people thought this was a punk band. Really? Seriously. <laughs> like their, their cover of um, knowledge. Yeah. What the fuck? I like, know. It's like it, it's like a fucking rockabilly. So I'm like, what the hell yeah. is it? I'm like, this is this is good. Yeah. But like that, something like that may not always fly if you're trying to break into the punk scene. I think mm-hmm. that kind of is what is throwing me off a little bit. I don't know. And I mean, their later years, I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, American Idiot was great for what it was, but it wasn't like early Green Day. And that's what people They totally reinvented themselves. Right, exactly. Which was uh, which was totally intentional. So I, I don't think Yeah, I don't think people like, look, there's a lot of bands that do that. There's a lot of bands that kind of evolve as they go, right? Yeah. 311, good yeah. example. I love 311. They're like one of my top favorite bands. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of people who love their early music don't really like their new music. And I'm sometimes one of them. 
because it's not the same, but they literally like similar to green day around the 2003 era, they came out with an album 311 called evolver and evolver was pretty much, it was mostly like reggae and it was a lot more chill. There were not as many like rapping, you know, not as many rapping sessions that essay was on and stuff. Right. So that album was literally evolving. It was literally them because after that, it was all just like that. It was like, we're going to go with like the whole positive, like good vibe thing. Cause they, you know, I'm sure they were getting older and they were like, all right, we can't be doing the same shit as grassroots, you know, whatever. Right. So a lot of bands do that. And like you said, I think it is admirable in a way, because if you've got the foresight to be like, all right, we can't do the same thing over and over. Like right. there's certain bands that do that, right? Like the boss tones are yeah. not, they don't do exactly the same thing. They do kind of change it up, but they pretty much stay within like the boss tone realm and yeah. it works. I mean, they're coming out with new music now. If you've heard it, it's fucking great. It's like, and they're, they're fucking, they're old men. Like, and, yeah. and they're putting out like good music. <laughs> but like, not every band has the foresight to do that, you know? No. I mean, so what's it, all right, what's a band for you that really missed the mark as the years went on? Like a band where like the more you, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but like a band that no. the, the, year, the more years that you listen to them, you were like increasingly like, I don't, I don't know about this. And then it just got to be like, no, I can't do this anymore. That's a really great question. If there is one, maybe not. I mean, if not, you're very lucky because <laughs> it happens to a lot of us, but I don't know. Two I just come to mind for kind of different reasons. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is probably AFI. Ooh, okay. You know, uh, I remember when they came out with Miss Murder. Uh, I remember when they came out with uh, Silver and Cold. Mm-hmm all those singles and I was blown away. I was like, wow, this band is very obviously influenced by the misfits. That's right. fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, they, they wrote some really fantastic songs and then I don't know what happened. Something, they must've had some sort of discussion together. Like we can't do this emo rock thing forever. You know, it's a trend that's eventually going to die. Yeah. Which then I bet nobody was like, but don't worry, it'll come back in 2021. Exactly. Uh, which, <laughs> which literally is happening. Like, yeah, I go on TikTok and I'm just like, what the fuck, man? Emo music is back. I was like back in full force. But the second band that comes to mind for me is actually my chemical romance. Oof. All right. So talk about that a little bit. What, sure. like, cause I mean, like, all right, the black parade for a lot of people was, <clears throat> very divisive all right it was either like you loved this like new train that they were kind of going on and starting rock opera type of thing right or you were just like no no i'm not okay helena you know like you were like you were just like like you were (laughs) going back the other way so i don't know i mean like where did you land because i saw them at that bamboozle uh when they when they headlined and that was the year that was 2008 i think so that was the year the black parade came out or maybe that was 2007 or eight one of those years yeah so i and you know what the black parade the whole album is, is, is pretty, you know, pretty awesome. But the opening of that album, that song, Welcome to yeah. the Black Parade, in my mind, it's, it's, it's hard still to this day for me to find an album that opens better than like that. It's just a great fucking opening to an album. Like whether it's punk or rock or whatever kind of music you're listening to, just as an opening to an album, I think that's like one of the best. Personally. It was brilliant. It was yeah. absolutely brilliant. And in just a few seconds, it paints a whole picture in your head as to what the vibe is going to be for the whole yeah. record it's and like a fucking crescendo that you're just watching like build. oh yeah like big oh. time but i mean when it comes to that band in particular 
I really loved Three Cheers, their second record. That was the one that I first listened to. Really loved their debut, Bullets. Fantastic record. Black Parade was great, not my favorite. And then, you know, they came out with Danger Days, and I just... Call me a pessimist, but it was a little too bright, a little too colorful, a little too cheery. It didn't feel like a My Chemical Romance record. Now, meanwhile, one thing they could have done, they could have pulled a Green Day where they started a side project all together. Right. Put it under a new band name. Call it a side project. Don't call it a My Chemical Romance project if it's right. going to go way off out of left field from what you've typically done with the band. And don't get me wrong, I thought it was very bold. It was a bold move of them to to even release the record. But uh, when when it comes to having a, a concise discography to look back on, in my opinion, it would have been much smarter to market it as a side project. So, so, and you think maybe if they had formulated their career, not career, but like their discography as like an evolution and yeah. as kind of like turning, maybe you would have landed differently maybe they would have put out some different kind of music but maybe because it was like so like abrupt in a way not abrupt but like pretty kind of like you know and i, I don't know maybe if they made different moves it would have turned out differently but i don't know who knows i mean i know with that band there's a theory going around that they wanted to go out like the smashing pumpkins <laughs> you know Fucking break up for i forget the number seven years and then come back together and do it all again and uh i mean that's certainly possible they're all the members are huge fans of the smashing pumpkins right um yeah but yeah because gerard way i mean i don't know he's i've heard gerard way is probably a lot nicer than billy corgan oh yeah from from what i heard billy corgan is notoriously kind of a dick (laughs) yeah like notoriously not a pleasant person it's funny too there's a story about uh burt mccracken from the used yeah and how ripped Billy Corgan backstage at a Smashing Pumpkin show, like stuck his leg out and tripped Billy Corgan and got into a fist fight with him. Seriously. Oh yeah. Cause you know, Burt McCracken, he doesn't give a fuck about shit. No. He doesn't care who you are. He and will I did not know that that was a thing about the used until I went with Billy Quigley. Yeah. And he was like, we have to go see the used. And I did I was like, why? I was like, who the fuck? And then like Billy's like, all right, I'm going in. And he just dove through the whole crowd and went into the pit. Yeah. He came out at the end of the show with a little bit of blood on his cheek, <laughs> his studded belt wrapped around his fist <laughs> and like just drenched in sweat and just yeah. panting. Like, like he just came back from war and mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like I had no idea that the used could be that kind of show. Like, I just, I don't know. It wasn't even, even on my radar. And oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know about like Billy Crackett like at all. Like, yeah. you know, but yeah, I didn't know that about Billy Corgan. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Bert ended up making a t-shirt that said, I tripped Billy Corgan. No, he didn't. And he wore it at like oh. several different band photo wow. shoots. How, uh, how Sid Vicious of him. My God. Yeah, right. <laughs> with the fucking, I hate Pink Floyd shirts. <laughs> fucking that way. No, Johnny Rotten. No, that was Johnny, Johnny Rotten. Rotten. Fucking Johnny Rotten. Um, which is so conflicting because I do like the Sex Pistols, but I love Pink Floyd. So it's like, I don't really know. You know, it's like, oh God. It's uh, tough. Yeah. But uh, um, I don't know. So I, 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 I don't know. It seems to me that like a lot of bands are kind of 
maybe without people really realizing in a very weird mismatched floating realm that's not necessarily like a nailed down category and i think that that's something that a lot of people stray away from because it's just easier to categorize things you know it's easier to compartmentalize your life in general Mm -hmm. so i think it's easy just to stick bands in these kind of like holes and be like no you're this and like you're that and when bands even stray away from that a little bit sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but i think a lot of people are kind of scared to do that like themselves and be like like accept it like okay well maybe they're not just like a straight you know punk band maybe they're not you know whatever and i don't know i mean i'm uh i don't know i'm curious to see how that's going to happen with like nowadays with music because it doesn't seem to be happening like as often you know right. i mean it's it's i mean certain bands have changed rapidly like popular pop bands right like right. like maroon five right mm-hmm. when maroon five started songs about jane mm-hmm. great album right it was just a good like rock album adam levine was still playing guitar yeah. very basic stuff it wasn't like overproduced and now the music is pretty much all in the studio produced and it's pretty much just Adam Levine. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, from what it, you know, so it's, it's very different. The so, fact that there are six members in that band blows my mind. I don't because know I'm how. Like, is there a point to having six people in no, this band? Not really? even. And, and, really? when, <laughs> and when like the opposite of that happens, mm-hmm. like when you hear a band that's like so overproduced and then you see them live and you're just like, wow, that was great. Like that happened to me with MGMT, right? Yeah. MGMT, you hear them and you're just like, all right, this is a fucking electronic band. And then I saw them at Radio City. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, that's like them. Like they're, they're like, they were, they're a good, and Phoenix, right? Phoenix, great yeah. fucking band too. Listomania, 1901, like those, those as breakout, like on your first album, unbelievable. And the same kind of thing. You listen to this music and you're just like, all right, this is one fucking guy in a studio. There's no way that this is like a band. So when the opposite happens, it's cool. But when that kind of is the opposite, that doesn't make any sense when it's the reverse of that, when it's like, right. you know, it starts out as like this band and it just kind of withers down to like a lot of production and like one kind of main person as like the face. I don't know. It's kind of like, I feel like it, it, it drains the spirit of it a little bit. I don't know. I mean, that sounds incredibly like horribly hipster, but it's true. It's true. Like, you know, no, it is in some ways. I think that, uh, you know, you have bands that are able to do it pretty well, especially if you have a distinct member of the band who, is putting a lot of work in and, and is the most creative energy out of everybody else. Right. Uh, but then there's other times when it does feel watered down in a big way. Yeah. I mean, there's, and there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of people that nowadays have like projects where they keep the band the same name, but it's pretty much known that like they're the real creative behind everything and other members even fluctuate in and out. Like yeah. Um, cigarettes after sex. You ever listen to them? I have. Okay. So if you were into that and you're in the mood for that, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. The guy, the Greg, uh, Greg Gonzalez, I think his name is, um, he's got a great soothing falsetto mm-hmm. and all the songs are very soft and very easygoing, nothing loud, nothing fast, but it's like very dirty lyrics, which is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> like bands literally called cigarettes after sex. And yeah. my wife introduced them to me actually. And I was, cause they came up with like Lana Del Rey on like Spotify. Right. And cause I think they've even like toured together and that's, pretty much just him i mean he's had multiple band members throughout the years that he's been putting out albums mm-hmm. and he's always called it cigarettes after sex but it's really him i mean it's his music he writes everything and he just gets you know other people to contribute you know yeah um the lumineers same thing lumineers is pretty much like the lead singer and like the piano player and then everybody else has just kind of like flux you know fluctuated in and out and, and they're just learning how to play the songs i mean they right. might be handed a song and then they're like okay you learn this right and, it, and it's very clear with certain bands that there are very specific kind of creatives like that. Yeah. Um, 
and maybe that can work in that category. I, I don't know. I mean, it seems to have worked for those kinds of bands. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean I'm just, you know. You also look at a band like Bomb the Music Industry uh, with Jeff Rosenstock yeah. and how he's really the whole brain's creative operation behind that, that band. And, uh, you know, I have a friend who played guitar with him and Jeff would write songs, write everything. And, you know, every now and then some other member of the band would contribute a little something to shake it up a little bit. But for the most part, Jeff wrote everything. Total aficionado. So there's moments like that where you start to think like, oh, maybe there are very special people out there who just are are meant to to work that way. It's very not everybody is meant to work on a group project together. You know what I mean? I think I think you with certain music that comes out, if it's from the creative mind of like one person sometimes maybe it needs to stay like that or it's not going to be that kind of music i mean maybe Absolutely. i mean that's i think that's like that's just how it is it's it's a, you know i mean the big 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 giant you know stars and stuff have a very formulated way of doing things you know like billy yeah. joel has had a lot of contributors but it's pretty much been billy joel for years mm-hmm. like elton john and bernie uh well not bernie williams he's the baseball player bernie something whoever elton john's always written the music and bernie pretty much has written all the lyrics but they've been doing that since the fucking it's like 70s you know so it's like it's like i feel like if if you're in a situation where you have a very tight formulated system and you know that that's not going to change yeah nothing else really matters at that point you know like uh you know motorhead same thing motorhead was you know they had you know filthy phil and like all these amazing fast Eddie, all these amazing guitarists but it was pretty much lemmy i mean lemmy i feel like doesn't get enough credit in punk music which no. so lemmy lemmy was funny because lemmy people categorize motorhead right you hear motorhead you think of like the big metal bands right yeah because they basically created like thrash metal yeah but on my episode of uh potify with lucas i specifically wanted the song motorhead by motorhead Mm. played because that song came out in 19 i want to say 80 Mm. and it is a punk song it's not a metal song it is a fast fucking punk song Mm -hmm. and lemmy never really categorized motorhead as metal he just called it rock and roll he was just like it's just rock and roll and i feel like certain punks get that but i feel like they aren't idolized to the point where like the misfits are you know, and I think easily the Motorhead logo could have easily become as much of an icon of the punk world as the Crimson Ghost. And, Absolutely. you know, I mean, metalheads love Motorhead because he created thrash metal. You know, it was like yeah. it was literally the beginning of thrash metal. And Lemmy was such a weird fucking guy. I mean, the guy idolized like Little Richard, you know, his he started playing bass because he wanted to sleep with girls. And his first job in music was a roadie for Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, that was literally his job in London. And yeah. You know, he was a, he was also a great bass player. You know, I mean, he played right. a really shitty Rickenbacker bass that had a lot of distortion, <laughs> like a lot of distortion. But <laughs> he was a great fucking bass player. You know, that's why it was like yeah. it was so sad. In like 2015, right before he died, um, like the year before he died, he had gotten diabetes. Yes. So he literally his hands would like shake as he was trying to play bass solos. And I mean, you know, he smoked two packs of cigarettes a day, but he also drank pretty much a bottle of Jack Daniels, but as, of Jack and Coke every day so like clearly he got diabetes yeah like his blood was so fucked up i don't know if you know the story but like his manager was looking into getting him a blood transfusion in the 90s and the doctor said no because they were like his body is functioning on such a weird toxic level that if you put clean blood in his body it will literally (laughs) shock him and kill him i'm not even not even kidding that is 100 (laughs) percent true you can look that up 
like he was he was he slept with he he claims he slept he says like a thousand women people say it's closer to like 2500 you know right but he, and he was never like a dick about it he was just always like i'm a, you know this is what i do i'm a rock star what yeah. do you, do you know? and it was i feel like motorhead doesn't get enough credit in the punk scene necessarily because like granted they, he was kind of responsible for bridging together early fast riff rock and like punk right. with a heavier kind of sound and so yeah that created like thrash metal but they're another band that i think is just categorized as like metal and like right. in my mind i'm like he never fucking did that why would you you know like right. specifically I mean, never he always said he was like i don't like putting ourselves punk metal whatever we're rock and roll you know? yeah which i think was smart on on his part to not even bother trying to categorize what the hell they were doing but you'd be shocked because I know many a punk, specifically in Philadelphia, who has a motorhead shower curtain. Ugh. I mean, I I can name on two hands how many punks I know have a motorhead shower curtain. Mm. It's become a trope, yeah. I think, and like almost like an inside joke, like, <laughs> oh, once you get to a certain age as a punk, you become a motorhead fan. <laughs> like that's just how it goes. Well, and that's when you buy your motorhead shower curtain. <laughs> Maybe it happened with me because I literally became a Motorhead fan in the last few years. So yep. I'm this fucking aging old punk. I'm like, yeah. I'm yeah. Like, cut my hair short. And I'm like, you know, Motorhead's actually pretty good if you listen to exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you wear a lot less black. You clean up a little bit. And then you're like, mm, you know, have you ever listened to Motorhead? Ace of Space. It's really transform. You know, it's like. It's very well composed. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad you touched on Philadelphia. I love talking about music. You obviously love talking about music and you actually, aside from me, you know what you're talking about, which is such a relief um, <laughs> because it's nice to talk to somebody like that. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So it's nice to have somebody who's got a real frame of reference. Now, I want to briefly talk about Philly and sure. Philly food. So oh, before yeah. I get into this, do you have any dietary restrictions? Because that'll affect some of the questions. I don't. Cool. I do it all. I eat anything and everything. All right. So... Uh, in Philadelphia, right? Philly food. Um, there's certain things that like were constant, like, you know, tro- not, I don't want to say tropes. That's kind of, um, that's, that's mean. Uh, like the, the classics Philly Staples. dishes, you think about it. Mainly I'm curious about like cheesesteaks and like hoagies, you know, yeah. like, like the things that are really known in Philadelphia. Like oh, yeah. the things like, and I, I've been to like, you know, Pat's and Gino's, which I know is just the two tourist spaces, but like the hoagies too. I mean, like, is there really a difference between that and like a long ass hero that you get at a New York deli? Like, I don't know. What's your, what was your take on like food available in like New York versus like living in Philly for however many years you did? Right. It's funny. When I lived in Philadelphia, I never really went to too many touristy places. Well, yeah. I mean, if, uh, I lived there, if I lived there, I wouldn't want to either. <laughs> right. You know, like I never saw the Liberty Bell. I never, you know. It's fine. It's I not going anywhere. Go. You'll always have a chance to see it. It's not going anywhere. Right, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, but uh, we did when I lived on Green Street, which is the Spring Garden section of Philadelphia. It's maybe a ten and fifteen minute walk outside of Center City. Okay, and we loved me and my roommates. We loved going and ordering from a place called Larry's. Mm. Larry Steaks. Okay, and Larry made some bomb ass cheesesteaks. Really, I mean. Are we talking like are we talking like grease dripping through the brown paper bag kind of cheesesteaks? Oh hell yeah. Okay. That that's what you're looking for. Right. Um I would always get it white American. Oh, okay. Mushrooms. Mm. 
sometimes a little bacon. That's a pro move, mushrooms. Oh, yeah. Oh, you haven't experienced a cheesesteak until you've had it with some mushrooms on it. Mm. Getting mm-hmm. me hungry. I just, I just had fucking grilled cheese, and you're getting me hungry again. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, continue. I'm like... No, yeah, Larry's was the bomb. And then uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is, like, really specific to Philadelphia, but I feel like the only times that I've seen this be super common was in Philly, uh, picklebacks. Really? Yeah. I'm not sure if that started in Philly, but yeah, that's, that's interesting that you say that. Super common around there. People, people fucking love them. Huh. And fried pickles. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Big thing in Philadelphia. Wow. I mean, that's, I mean, they've become a little more popular around like here. Like you'll see some yeah. people order pickleback shots, but it's not like you go to every bar and you know, you got people lined up at the bar doing fucking picklebacks. Like, right. <laughs> which, which when I first heard that, my instant reaction was like, Ugh. But right. then afterwards, I'm like, Meh. I was like, I was like, oh, I kind of get it. Yeah, like I kind of get it. Like I totally, <laughs> I can see how that works. Okay, you know, I, you know, that's just all right. That's interesting. I mean, I don't. Know. So, New York, I think, has the advantage of like variety over a yeah. lot of other cities. I mean, that's the one thing that it's it's going to be hard to take away from New York. I think no matter what, is that mm-hmm. your pure, the vast amount of options <laughs> just will never yeah. go away. I mean, if you live in certain parts of like the village or Brooklyn, you just don't have to go anywhere else for like 25 different kinds of cuisine. Like literally, like literally, like you find kinds of restaurants that you'll never find anywhere else. But, Mm -hmm. you know, other cities do have these like amazing staples that I think people aren't really kind of talking about, you know? And I don't know, like there's this uh, Serpico place by the chef Pete Serpico in Philly that he's doing incredible things with like twists on like Korean food and stuff like that. And like, Mm -hmm. There's, I feel like in other cities, there's sometimes more of an option to, like you said, with Philly, like with Philly, like, you know, having feet cheesesteaks be like, you know, idolized and like, you know, having right. other kinds of restaurants pop up and start to get like, you know, a lot of fame. I feel like there's a chance of that not always happening in the city just because there's so much variety. And I'm not saying that every city of food shouldn't have variety, but I feel like when you have so many options, it's hard to compete and keep up. It's like, you know- I don't know. I mean, and what was the food scene like in, in New York? It's famous for, you can pretty much get anything anytime like right. in New York. And when I first traveled outside of New York, not first, but when I was like 20 and I went to go visit my college, uh, when I was 18, I went to go visit my cousin in college. Um, my experience in Chicago was mm. like, well, what the fuck? All these places closed at like 1030. Like I was yeah. like, I was like, <laughs> cause I was used to the city. So I was used to everything being open right. all the time. What was it like in Philly as far as like, you know venues and like restaurants and like stuff like that like where was it like a late night there's obviously late night scenes everywhere but was it like as vast as the city like how did that work over there um it worked not too different from new york i think in some ways i mean the only major difference is that because the quakers still have a pretty big hand Mm -hmm. in pennsylvania and, and philadelphia in particular you couldn't buy beer on sundays still yeah so there was that um you can only buy beer at like a distributor. Oh wow! You know what okay. I mean. So you have to go to like a like a like a beverage distributor, like a beverage. Yeah, bar. like you can't go to a Seven Eleven. Wow. Okay. Uh, I I don't know if certain Wawas might sell beer. Wawa. Uh, but I know you could. You just couldn't buy beer on Sundays. It just wasn't a thing. 
That's insane. I, I, that, I, that still blows my mind. And I know that, I don't know if Connecticut is still like that. I know Connecticut was like that. Right. You had to go to like certain stores on Sundays. Because mm-hmm. my brother lived in Connecticut for a while. And I remember I went to go visit him and we were going to buy alcohol. And he told me that. And I was like, what? <laughs> he, was like, he was like, yeah, we got to go to this place. I'm like, why? He's like, it's yeah. Sunday. I'm like, end. And he looked at me. He's like, well, it's the Lord's day. And I was like, what? He's like, it's, it's law, you dick. I'm like, oh, I was like, I'm like thinking them. <laughs> Like, I thought my brother just had, like, a revelation. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Right. Um, no, I didn't, I didn't know that was, like, a law until then. And I knew yeah. that it was around. I didn't know that was still a thing. My God. Yeah, the Quakers are uh, pretty intense about the use of alcohol. Yikes. In Pennsylvania in general. And uh, so we always made sure, me and my roommates, oh, we got to buy beer. It's Saturday night. Got to make it last until Monday, you know. All right. So on that, on that in that realm, you, you segued perfectly. What's the most punk beer? that you can get whether you're in a basement show or at a venue you know i mean cheap is obviously you know the obvious option i mean right. I, i've been to the most punk bar that kevin legal took me to in the city mm-hmm. is um forgetting the name not black cat maybe black cat something like that i don't know it's it's like it's where we were going towards the show on the, one of the piers okay it's like four feet wide it's like the skinny fucking bar you sit down <laughs> and it's like three dollars $3 for a can of Budweiser and a little tiny plastic thimble sized shot of whiskey. And, oh. And that is it. You just sit there and you can pound those like all night. We did that before we went to the show. But I don't know. Like, what's the, to you, what's like the most punk beer that you could like see at like a show and be like, oh yeah, this is like, you know. Uh, hams might be okay. one of them. That's a good answer. I don't know. Terrible that. beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tastes like piss, but you know, it's cheap. And I know a lot of pugs that like to drink it. Another contender would be uh, Miller mm-hmm. High Life. Miller High Life. Yeah, but Miller High Life, well, I was going to say PBR should definitely be, I think. in the PBR in the would be the third contender. But Miller High Life is weird because Miller High Life for me, maybe it's just because I'm a borderline alcoholic. Miller <laughs> High Life is like of the shitty beers. Like that's, yeah. that, that's definitely a good choice. Like it's cheap and it's it's pretty decent tasting and they made the bottles yeah. look like they're from the 70s. So you're like, woo, you know. And right. Like it's of the shitty beers that you can get, Miller High Life is pretty okay. Absolutely. Um, but like hams, like even PBR sometimes, I'm just like, yikes. I'm like, this is like, like you could definitely like, it tastes, no, not, not okay. Yeah. I mean, if I'm at a show and I can get my hands on a Yingling, I'll do that. Yeah. Like anything uh, that's not, you know, like piss. <laughs> just a standard lager uh, I'll go for, but you know, my second choice is always going to be a PBR. Fucking PBR. Oh God. I used to, I used to hate PBR. I don't know why. Like when I was like 17 until I was like 22, I still don't drink it. I refuse to buy it, but I literally, I don't know. I like hated it. I remember I tried it the first time and I was like, this tastes like fucking piss. I was like, this is, <laughs> this, I was like, this is disgusting. And I don't even think it was that bad. Maybe I just had like a warm one. Cause I was at a show. Right. But I just remember fucking hating it. And then for like years after I would go to parties and if there was PBR, I just wouldn't drink. Like I literally, yeah. like I would just choose not to drink. Like, oh, Yeah. Man. I feel that way about certain beers too. Like I won't touch Coors Light. Mm. I won't touch Coors in general. I just mean, that's pretty much, that, yeah, it's pretty much just water. Coors Light. Gives it's me like, bad vibes <laughs> all yeah. around. I don't like the way it tastes. I think it tastes like shit. Yeah. It's not, there's no taste to it. It's literally, it's mainly water. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like, you know. Like, if you're going to do that, just drink, literally just drink water. Just drink a bottle of water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. My God. And now it's like, you know, punk venues, a lot of venues, even like the, the knitting factory, you can get any kind of fucking beer that you want. You know, it's like, 
I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's different than it used to be. That's for sure. But speaking of like weird drinking in Pennsylvania, mm. uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a gas station slash liquor store in a town called Trucksville, Pennsylvania. Okay. And the way that the cashier station is set up, there's one window where you would buy cigarettes and everything else. And then there's another window where you can get served shots of whatever alcohol that you want. Of any, really? At the gas station. Really? Yeah. Why doesn't this exist in places outside <laughs> of this place? Like, what the fuck? My question is, why does it exist and why is it legal? Yeah, um, I feel like that definitely is a little sketchy. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I feel like maybe there's a part of that that's not legal. Like, but you have to, I mean, there's like a clear, distinct line between, it's like a cornered off area. So at one side of the corner, you have the cigarettes, soda, right. whatever. The other corner, it's just like shot, 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 shot. You can go there and get shots of Jack Daniels just as you're buying your cigarettes. How do you even register that as a business? Like, are you, like, do you have to make that little tiny, like, cornered off section, like a bar? Yeah. I guess that's how they get around it. Because my, a friend of mine and his roommate live out there in Trucksville. They were showing me around. We had gone go-karting and whatever. And then at the end of the day, they had to get gas. And they're like, we have to show you something really cool. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> all right. You got there and you're like, I don't know. Me, the guy is just behind the counter giving him shots of alcohol. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you got there. You're like, I don't know if cool was the right word. Right. <laughs> it's something a little uh, off-putting. <laughs> like a little, it's a little off-putting. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, all right. That is something I kind of wish was here. But again, that might be... <laughs> because of my own problems i don't um, think new york could handle that kind of freedom no, no not at all there's definitely there's things that if they were brought here it would just get out of hand right it would just it would just completely get out of hand like so fast like if the new orleans law of like being able to carry open a container outside was allowed in new york yeah the city would just shut down in like a week like oh, literally yeah. with the amount of people that live in new york city it would just be it would literally be like i am legend after like of a course. month just completely gone like all the people would just be dead just easily like oh god all right so while we're in this realm i usually do a section on here called dank or rank where i okay. list a bunch of foods and people think like oh yeah it's delicious or oh, no i don't like it but with you i want to do a shortened version and i want to do punk versus like not punk all right and cool. i want to do it with food and drink and see if you think one of them yeah i guess that's pretty punk or one that's like not first one should be pretty easy i don't know but uh coffee punk as fuck that's yeah, like black coffee, right? Oh yeah. Like, okay, that's think about any descendant song, basically. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, Coffee's punk as hell. American. Um, <laughs> I was just listening to the descendants the other day, actually. Um, <laughs> God. All right. Uh, um, fast food like White Castle, McDonald's, Popeye, stuff like that. Not punk at all. Total poser. Really? Yeah. Because you would think because it's cheap and available. But also, like big kinda... capitalist machine there taking advantage of workers. There not you go. At all. There you go. See, <laughs> that's that's the answer I was looking for. Yeah. Um, tacos. Punk is hell. However, you gotta have a little hot sauce on there. Okay. There you go. Well, yeah. I mean, nobody's a dry taco, right? I'm hoping. No. Jesus. <laughs> like, I used to be a dry taco person. Until mm. my mom was like, no, listen, you, you really got to focus. 
that's not yeah like that's i mean my rule is if i go to a spot that's like a real taco spot yeah where like they mainly speak spanish and like you don't even know half the time what you're ordering right usually i say con todo which is spanish for just with everything so they Mm -hmm. just load everything on there like the chopped white onions the cilantro their salsa verde the red sauce like everything and like there's a place in the chelsea markets los tacos number one and that's that's an actual order there con todo and it just, I mean, Toto just means everything in Spanish. So they literally just load it up. And that's, I feel like that's how tacos should be, should be eaten. I mean, unless you're eating, I don't know. I mean, unless you're eating something that is so, no, fuck that. Tacos should always be eaten with stuff. I'm like, I'm trying to think of like, I'm like, nobody's going to put Wagyu beef inside of a fucking taco. So like, No, yeah. that would be silly. No, that's, yeah, that's stupid. Um, <laughs> all right. So um, people that are uh, like vegan punks. Punk as hell. Okay. Yeah, super fucking punk. And okay. and I would argue that uh, you're talking to someone who still eats meat. I probably right. shouldn't. But when you think about uh, the way that the cattle industry is run. Yeah, I mean, that's, not that's been... Not to like a PETA Bible thumper. No, no. And I'm not, I'm not a vegetarian by any means whatsoever mm-hmm. at all. But I also wholeheartedly agree that if, like, you know, people should be buying less beef but of better quality. And from oh, yeah. farms, like there, there are farms in California. There's a few of them that are literally like carbon, like positive, like because yeah. of the way that they're raising the cattle, they're actually negating some of the horrible right. shit that other cattle ranchers are doing. And, you know, if, if that kind of became a common practice, like an easy solution is like, you know how people will just have the cows graze on the same fucking field for like, God yeah. knows how many weeks and months. Literally, there's this farm out in California that I just saw in Ugly Delicious where they move the cattle. They have these four fields next to each other. And they right. just ro- rotate them once a day and yeah. they just move them. And if you do that, it allows the ground to keep growing. It's better for the cows. It's better for the ecosystem. You don't need as many. You don't need to keep moving them. You don't need to slaughter as many. It's like, it's such a better system. So I, that I agree with hundred percent. I, right. I am not a fan of uh, PETA uh, in, in, by any means, but I, I do agree that there are a lot of changes that could be made to make things a little more sustainable. And Definitely. otherwise beef is just going to be like, there's, there's places like there's this restaurant in Australia. I'm forgetting the name where they, go all out for burgers and like yeah. steaks and shit and they go over the top and like david chang one of my favorite restaurateurs ever went there and he was like why are you doing this and the guy was like beef is gonna mm-hmm. be gone the guy was literally like beef is going to be gone in like a matter yeah. of like decades so like we need to do this now because after this we don't know what we're gonna do right like and he was dead serious it wasn't even trying to be funny yeah but all right so the next one sardines Ooh. like sardines out of the can preferably on a untoasted piece of bread maybe with like a slab of mustard you know just like i would say uh punk if you're gonna eat them on a dare okay gotcha because yeah i can't if you're taking it very seriously yeah i don't know anybody i can't i feel like if you're a punk and you're going to the store just to get something to eat i feel like if you land on the can of sardines like there's something that went awry in your life at some point that right you probably I need to like address you would, you would be more attracted to the cans of the tuna just because they're probably a little bit cheaper too that's also very true that's a good point i didn't think about that uh, <laughs> um hot dogs uh punk okay quick cheap. quick easy especially in new york dirt, dirty water hot dogs you know it's like you know. yep and the last one ramen not sit down in restaurant ramen like instant ramen instant ramen yeah <laughs> punk okay that's like yeah. it's like fucking brain food like that's yeah just, yeah yeah oh, definitely God. i've so, got a friend who makes ramen on the daily like See, you instant know, ramen? Yeah, because I, I do so many instant ramen hacks mm-hmm. that I can actually make it like a meal. Like I can yeah. make it into a meal. Like I make stir fries for us where I 
cook two packages of instant ramen, throw it in instead of rice, and you have a great fucking stir fry. Oh, it's or fantastic. like I'll make a ramen carbonara with bacon, where it's like literally bacon, egg, and cheese with ramen noodles. So it's like a carbonara pasta dish, but with ramen and bacon. So good. That's and amazing. you know, the easiest one I think is like just sesame, cold sesame noodles. I'll make a pack of instant ramen. If I don't have anything for lunch for work the next day, I'll literally make a cold a pack of ramen. I'll throw in sesame seeds, oil, and believe it or not, everything bagel seasoning, and uh, leave it in the fridge overnight, and you have amazing sesame cold noodles the next day. You know, so since I learned all that, I'm like, man, I should have been buying this. Like, it's this is literally prison food. Like, literally, they sell this in prisons. Like, it's so cheap. Yeah. And I, I should have been buying it years ago. I don't know why I wasn't, honestly. An ex of mine used to have stockpiles of instant ramen in his basement. He probably would survive an apocalypse, you know? I mean, I, like, uh, they were on, what do you even call those things? The big planks of wood. Oh, God, pallets? Yeah, pallets. <laughs> they were on fucking pallets. No. He had, like, four pallets of instant ramen in his basement. He loved it so much. And, like, I, you know, at the time, I thought it was weird. But looking well, back, I'm like, that guy was onto something. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if I walked in and I saw a pallet with instant ramen, yeah, weird wouldn't be the word that first popped into mind. I think, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't mean to shit on an ex of yours, but I mean, maybe, no. maybe crazy would a come into crazy. mind a little bit only because I'm like, I get buying ramen, but why this much? Ramen? Like, that's like, that's the point where it's like, what do you, what, what do you do? Are you, do, do I not, are you going to lock me in here with you forever? Like, why are you stockpiling for something? Like, is there something that I'm not aware of? Like, right. That's, that's border, you know? So, all right, before Definitely we transition, border. before we transition towards the end, because I've been torturing you for almost an hour and a half now, um, <laughs> where, tell, uh, just before I get to my last little segment, uh, which is a nice little game we're going to play uh, with, with dental records, right? You do band reviews, you do show reviews, you just write, like, you just write think pieces, you, you write, it's just, it's, it's a great variety of a resource for, like, with a great fucking title, by the way, Dental Records Music, like, that's so Thank fucking you. awesome, and the, the new punk radio is on podcast, is on Spotify, um, it's a beautiful, it's amazing podcast with intermittent songs played, and it's all sectioned out in the actual, like, in the player there so you can like see the names it's like so the way it's set up is like so nice so you did oh, such a great job with that and i loved it and i can't wait to listen to episode two so if you guys are listening go to spotify dental records uh music news punk radio right yeah okay and i'm gonna put the links for everything in this somewhere when i post i'll put the links to all that shit um where do you what's really going to happen with like dental records like where do you want it to kind of stay as it is like do you see it as like a vital thing being as it is, or do you kind of have in mind more development and would you like to see it kind of like in another realm, something else develop into something else? Like you said, you got the print zines and stuff, but like, are you thinking kind of like beyond that right now? Or are you just kind of focusing on like the content and like writing for just writing right now? Um, honestly, it's such a labor of love that I don't even think too far in the future about it. Like if I, it's one of those things where if I decide that I want to do a print scene one day, right? I'm starting to work on it the next day. It's amazing. It takes me no time to like decide. Like whenever it's near the tail end of me finishing a, a print scene, I'm like, oh man, I'm so sick and tired of this. I'm never doing this yeah. again. It's so much work. God damn it. But you know, you miss it and you miss like the hustle of it and trying to track bands down for photos you know, or, or yeah. trying to get all the assets in line and figuring out layout. And 
it's a pain in the ass. Don't get me wrong, but it is a labor of love. Yeah, so. but any, anything worth doing is usually a pain in the ass. Exactly. <laughs> like, believe me, start, I've, as you know, with my hot sauce and spice rubs and stuff, it's been yeah. a pain in the ass would be putting it incredibly subtly yeah. <laughs> and delicately. That is, <laughs> it is, it is beyond a pain in the ass. And people, and I don't think anyone, like, you, nobody will know ever how much goes into dental records, like, and how much you put in and the effort behind the scenes. And just to put something out, like just to put one piece out what you have to go through and you know which is why the content is so good though because you're putting all this into it and i think that you know people need to keep that in mind but it's an amazing website and i i love your writing and i love how honest you are and i can i can like i can hear your voice through your writing which i love like because i that's how i write as well like it's basically just like me talking you know and that i think that's you, you need to just keep it going and keep forcing it as much as you can it's like it's so good and um, i could just make one announcement yeah on this episode with you it would be if you're in a band or if you're an artist and you're gonna pitch me your music don't do it without any context <laughs> don't just send me a link and expect me to know exactly what it is that you want uh I need bios. I need photos. I need to know who's in the band. I need to know where you're based. Please don't just send me a random link I'm and assuming, expect I'm me to happening. make magic out of it. It's not going to happen. I'm assuming this has <laughs> happened quite a bit. Too many times. <laughs> it happened yesterday. <laughs> and I just, I've started doing this thing where I just send question marks back because I'm like, I, Okay. I don't even know how else to respond to this without being angry and yelling at you. <laughs> Somebody sends you like, all right, this was cool, but what's, what's happening right now? Like, what is yeah. this? Like, <laughs> what is going on right now? It's I have like, no idea. <laughs> that's like if, if you and I didn't talk ever and I just sent you a video of a cat on YouTube. Right, right. <laughs> and, you were, and you were just like, all right, well, this, thanks for this separate entity of my life that I now know. Yeah. What, 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 it was, what are you trying to accomplish here, buddy? Like, what's, what's going on here? What's your end goal here? All right, so you guys, you hear that. If you're going to pitch Cat, all right, get some <laughs> fucking context, okay? Just write an email, all right? I know you're too punk. You're too cool for school. I get it. Type a fucking email, okay? God damn it. It's not that hard. It doesn't take much. No, Believe my me. God. Be, be, be worth her time, God damn it. My yeah, God. really. Oh, yikes. <laughs> so seeing as this is kind of used to be a food podcast i don't know what the fuck it is now um, <laughs> this is uh i don't know what this podcast is not this episode i mean this show in general i don't right. know what i'm doing like i kind of still talk about food but i also don't and that's just i think that's pretty much where i'm at i think like a new I, age action bronson right here right? hey don't don't even don't don't get me so excited to the point <laughs> where my heart bursts because he's a personal fucking hero of mine. He's he an angel. Like, he is, all right. He's the reason, truth be told, he is the reason I started cooking more seriously. Yeah. I started watching him on like, fuck, that's delicious and on Vice. Yeah. And I found out that this guy who used to be a cook became a rapper and yeah. a really good rapper who sounded like a fucking, he sounded like a guy from fucking Wu-Tang. Like I was just like, who is this guy? And you right. find out he's this weird ginger mismatched fucking weirdo from flushing queens like just yeah. like you know just like a new york kid and now especially he's like released he's just always doing different kinds of music and he's got different kinds of food shows he puts out food products he's insane and now all of a sudden he's lost i don't know if you've seen recently he's lost like 130 pounds that's right i heard he's about been, that oh my god it's like weird i think he just had a baby last year 
okay. and from what he said his wife was kind of like hey what the fuck like are you trying to check out early because i think <laughs> i think the head but like he wasn't just like big how like i'm a little big he was like i think his he was a big guy he was like pushing 400 pounds yeah so like when you're pushing 400 right and you're like in your mid-30s almost like yeah. him, you need to you need to like your Never heart can, can easily stop so I think that was having a kid was probably like, all right, well, I'd like to survive, but he still does the same shit. He still smokes like a fucking crazy person. And oh yeah. <laughs> like he was, he was, he showed a video. He was like working out with his trainer and he brought a bunch of like, like steaks and just fr- like grilled them in the back parking lot. And they just ate. It was like, like he's like lost a bunch of weight, but he's still exactly the same. It's like the craziest thing. Oh God. He's amazing. He's amazing. Sorry. That was my little tangent. All right. So this is the tradition I do with every single person who's been on the show for at least the last six, seven episodes or so. And you remember Fuck, Mary Kill from high school, right? Yes. We're going to do that, but with food. So <laughs> you're going to tell me about a meat. It could be a meal, a food, an ingredient, a spice, a drink. I don't care. So okay. one that you would have just like a regretful, dirty, my head hurts, what the fuck, one night stand <laughs> where like you're missing like a sock and you're like limping home because you're like eyes like bloodshot like you know what i mean like one meal that like you're like all right i can't do that all the time but in another two months i'm definitely going to do that again Uh uh-huh one of those and then another meal that you would just wife up one that you would marry and just eat every fucking day or food spice whatever and then a third one that you would happily throw in the garbage knowing that you were like erasing it from existence Like, no, like you, you throwing this thing in the garbage is you knowing, like, this is the last anyone will see of you and just like murdering it completely. Right. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Floor is yours. <laughs> All right. Uh, fuck would have to be beef fried rice. Mm. Just good old fashioned beef fried rice. That's really good. Uh, yeah. maybe some young chow just cause I love to have a little bit of egg oh, in there. Young chow fried rice though. Yeah. Oh, so good. I haven't heard that before. That's a fucking unique answer. I love that. Okay. Yeah, that's a definite fuck. Uh, Mary, red velvet cake. Ooh. Just a classic. You know, I agree with you, and I haven't met a lot of people who agree like you and I do. Mm-hmm. I think red velvet cake does not get enough credit. It is it's so underrated. Insane. Yeah. Like, so good. Like, oh, my God. Super it's, underrated oh. and so delicious and so velvety. As the name entails, frosting. Oh my god! Like it's What's like it's like what is this? This isn't frosting. It's this like this is like this used to be something cloud in my mouth. Yeah, this used to be something that somebody used as like a material, and now it's on this cake, and I get to eat it. That's literally like what it, it's like. It's like I don't know what this is. I love red velvet cake. I love red velvet cake. A uh, kill would have to be <laughs> I'm gonna talk some shit right now. All right, I'm fine with that. I know someone who microwaves their meatloaf. Yikes. And I would like to kill that. Okay. That's, yeah, I hadn't heard of that before. It's one thing if you're going to make your meatloaf in the oven, I feel like that's a normal person thing to do. Am I right? You don't make your meatloaf in a microwave. Now, are we talking like, are we talking to this person just microwave and then down the hatch or like microwave and then finish it in the broiler or the oven to get it crispy? Oh, no. No, no. We were talking just mm-hmm. microwave and down hatch. Full on. Full on microwave it. Fucking yikes. That's yeah. like, I'm sorry. That's, that's a little weird. Yeah. That's, I mean, because you're, I don't know. There, there's, <laughs> I'm like, hold on. I got to process it. All right. Back so the names. You're, 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 you're really fucking up my mentality here. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. Now there, there's, there's this wave of people using microwaves more, which I'm kind of okay with, right? Like David, right. Chen, a favorite chef of mine, he's coming out with these bowls called the air, the everyday bowls. And okay. they're meant for people that have kids and that are running around. And it's a of glass course. bowl with a silicone lid that's specifically meant for the microwave. But he also says like, you know, cooking all your meals in the microwave, you need to know what you're giving up. You're giving up crispy skin. You're giving yeah. up crispy this, you're giving up a lot of stuff. But if you need to make something quickly or you're throwing it into a fried rice, it doesn't matter, whatever. Uh-huh. That being said, putting your microwave, putting your meatloaf on a dish or a glass bowl and just microwaving it and then eating <laughs> it is a level of self-hatred that I didn't really know existed. Like, I mean, I've gone through a lot of levels of self-hatred. I've done some pretty detrimental to myself, but microwaving a fucking meatloaf and eating it just out of the microwave and I could just see you squirting fucking ketchup just, just right on top. Yep. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm, not, stop. I'm not okay with that. That's no, that's I'm not, not either. That's not that's okay. Why I vote to kill that shit. Yikes. Okay. And I'm, I'm not <laughs> even totally against meatloaf. I don't give a fuck. I had meatloaf made for me once that had oatmeal in it instead of regular breadcrumbs. And you know what? It was okay, really? but it was cooked in the fucking oven. So right. like, you know, I, they might, I don't know. I'm like, I'm a big fan of meatloaf, but once I heard that this person made their meatloaf in my grave, I was like, woof. No, this changes the game for me with yeah, our relationship. No, that's not okay. And it's, it's horrible when you start seeing people differently, you know, like that. Yeah. I had my, a cousin of mine <laughs> had me come over and stay with her when I was like 17, 18 or something. She lived in Queens and she's from Israel. So mm. she's, she's my cousin. So she's Italian, like by blood and Israeli. So her mom was from New York. So she would never allow, you know, like horrible shit to happen as far as like pasta. But her other roommate <laughs> that lived there was, I think, just from Israel, maybe. And mm -hmm. she, she bought those like pinwheel pastas, right? Yeah. And she put it in the microwave to cook them in some water, which is, I mean, not unheard of, but then she took it out and she just put ketchup on top and just started like eating it. And I'm oh. just like staring at her. And Dana, my cousin came into the kitchen and looked at her roommate and literally went to her room and she's like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm just, I'm just eating. She goes, no, no. She goes, you can't, he's, he's Italian. You can't do that in front of him. And I'm just, I'm just standing there with my mouth open, like, like just staring at this person. Right. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's not even the fact, like, look, tomato, like ketchup's, ketchup is tomato. However, it's also high fructose corn syrup. So when you think about all that, like maybe, maybe don't fuck, I don't know. That's like in the realm of like meatloaf in the microwave. That's where my mind is at. That's like. Big if time. I saw somebody do that, I'm like jaw dropped, judging you hard as a person. Yeah. I know we're not supposed to do that, but I'm sorry. Judging you hard as a person. Like, no, like yeah. not okay. And if anyone here is listening and you microwave your meatloaf in the, in you just stop. Like if you microwave just your meatloaf and then eat it, just stop. Or you know what? Microwave it and then put it in the oven and get it crispy. Act like a normal human being. Okay. Like It takes the same amount of time to make it in the oven as it does in the microwave. Like just use the fucking oven. Like whatever mental damage you're trying to inflict on yourself by doing that. <laughs> I promise you there are much more fun ways to do it and a lot more drugs that you could take to do that you don't have to microwave your fucking meatloaf you psychopath no. and i hope this person's listening because i don't care i don't even know them but you know what i hope so too it's 100 percent true you could send you know when this comes out send this to them so they hear I it will. and be like this is what happens in the real world okay like there are <laughs> limits even to people who are fragile in the mind there yes. are limits to what you should and shouldn't do and microwave the limit the does exist yes like jesus what the fuck are you a garbage human no you can't like we don't live in florida you can't do that my god yeah, so true. Sorry to shit on anybody from Florida, but you know, it's true. 
I feel like I feel like the Florida man would be the one to do that, you know? Like Oh, big time. <laughs> and it explodes and his head falls off or something. Oh, man. You probably just insulted so many Floridians and people that love meatloaf. All right. Um as I said, <laughs> I, I don't know what the fuck this show's coming into. All right. So uh before we end, I want to thank you so so much. I wanted to ask you uh one song, one band recommendation. One band recommendation for me as a lover of punk that you recently discovered that you want more people to know about, throw it at me and listen to it. Um, The first one that comes to mind is one that I brought up earlier, actually. Uh, Punk on the Weekend by Dollar Signs. Gotcha, Dollar Signs. So rad. And the whole record is so good, too. Not just that one song. No, I'm sure. It rips. Uh, And it's right up your alley, too. It's just funny. You know what? That's it. That's, That's fucking beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> I, am, I am so happy. Sorry, this was like all over the place. I just, you know, this is no. I had a blast. Coming, this was so. the most fun I've. I'm gonna have all week. I'm sure. <laughs> you, and me, <laughs> you and you and me both. Trust me. Um, <laughs> no, this was this was fucking awesome, guys. Uh, you can find Dental Records music news on Instagram. You can find the Dental Records Punk Radio on Spotify. You can find Cat's profile at Cat Demps. I'm gonna link all those tags in the description on Anchor and the description on Instagram and Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's going to be everywhere for you guys to find. Um, check out Kat's podcast. Go on Dental Records. Check out the actual site itself and her amazing writing. And uh, if even if you're not a huge fan of punk, if you're just a fan of music enthusiasm and like good writing, it's the place to be. Seriously. Like, it's so fucking awesome. Thank um, you. So thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to stop the recording in a second. Um, anything else you want to say? Shout out before we uh, head out? No, man, you did a fantastic job. Thank you so much. I had so much fun doing this. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a hoot and a half, so I'm going to stop the recording. And yeah, guys, check me out next time. We're going to have some interesting guests coming up. Um, I would lie to you if I told you I remembered who they were, but I promise they'll probably be interesting. So stay classy, everybody.